0: Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Ant-Man. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. Oh, cool. (laughs) You remembered. And we have a special guest for you this episode. He's an actor, improviser, all-around great guy, and also a host for Marvel Entertainment, Langston Belton. Langston, hello.
1: Hello, hello. What's going on, y'all? What's going on, gents? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Good to see you. Good Happy to see you. Happy to talk too. about a very, a very good a very character that's near and dear to my heart. Very good. Listen,
0: we waited to do this Ant Man podcast until we could talk to you because you are the number one Ant Man fan I know. So I'm very excited to talk about this. <laughs> to give the lay of the land. The movie was released July seventeenth, twenty fifteen. It was directed by Peyton Reed. Oh, what a time. Uh, what a time indeed. Written by Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, Adam McKay, and Paul Rudd from a story by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that went on here that I'm mm-hmm. sure we will get into and talk about. Also, spoiler warning, I assume you all have seen the movie. If you haven't, go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus, Tricks. also on demand a lot it? of other places. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a movie theater playing Ant-Man somewhere to check it out. But let's, let's take it back in time. Like I mentioned before and like you mentioned, you're a big Ant-Man fan, down to the point that you're I wearing am. an Ant-Man shirt right now. I am, yeah. So what, just broadly speaking, what speaks to you about the character? Why do you like Ant-Man so much?
2: Try not so, to be so accusatory when you, when you ask a question. How, how dare you? Why
1: in the heck would Ant-Man? Can you, how can yeah. you like Ant-Man? Um, no. So I think one of the, uh, interesting, interesting enough, um, because- as old as I am, I came into Ant-Man uh, initially, weirdly enough, it was a Fantastic Four comic where he was, like, helping the Fantastic Four. Like, he worked at, right, four, right. at four Freeman's Plaza, and that was Scott Lang. And I thought that was – I saw the outfit, and that was cool. And then, you know, there was a comic book store at the mall we used to go to, and they had, like, a bunch of issues. And um, I kept seeing, like, the character in the things. And I just loved the costume. I loved that. I thought the helmet was – cool with the things and I thought the power of controlling ants and shrinking was cool it was because I really me and my mom were big into science fiction so I really liked the science fiction aspect of it and it wasn't like there was an accident you know (laughs) there was a discovery (laughs) there was a a discovery of these particles that allowed you to shrink and maintain your mass as a normal uh, if you were the uh, normal human size which is terrifying when they started applying science to it and I thought that was cool so I just really I loved that aspect of this of a superhero that wasn't I mean yes they could punch their way out of it but a lot of times it was how can I use the skill set to solve this problem and then you know with the addition of you know really going forward partnering Ant-Man and the Wasp as we as we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's perfect. It's that, that image also is indelibly in my mind is Ant-Man and the Wasp, these two characters, him writing, her flying and him writing the ant. I was like, that's, that's fun. <laughs> that's, that's good comic book nonsense. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So I love, I just, yeah, I just thought it was cool. And I also thought, he, uh, last let I say, I thought it was really cool. Again, going back to that Fantastic Four comic, that he was a support character. And that really keyed into like the interconnectivity of the characters, like the Fantastic Four, She-Hulk, Ant-Man, like they all know each other. They all know each other and they all hang out. And if there's a problem, hey, Ant-Man shrink going into that locking me- mechanism and he unlocks it and they come, it's like, oh, thanks, Ant-Man. like, <laughs> none of us can shrink. I'm glad you were here. Yeah. <laughs> like if Reed did it, if Reed made a shrink, it'd be a whole thing. He wouldn't let us grow again because he'd be he'd want to conduct experiments. So thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, you're here to help. So that was cool. So, and I also loved the character of Scott Lang And that legacy aspect of a character, because it makes the character bigger when there's more than one, when there's when it's a lineage, when it's when it's a a mantle that's inherited. So I love that about Ant-Man as well. I can go on and on. Yeah, well, talk to us (laughs) not
0: to make you go on and on, but talk to us then about your reaction
1: the first time,
0: if you remember seeing the movie and to add the nerve of you. Is that right,
2: Pete? Well done, Alex. You really one. made up for it in the second question. There, uh, really okay. nice job.
1: This so so every every MCU movie that comes out, it's someone's favorite, right? It's someone's favorite character, and and at that yeah. point, even Iron Man, people were saying like, it's always said like, well, Iron Man wasn't like you know an A list character. I mean, he was an A list character, but you knew who Iron Man was. It's, it wasn't like it wasn't like they made an Iron Man movie and they're like, who the, who the hell is Iron Man? It's like no, you knew that. He was an Avenger. It was in the zeitgeist. He'd never been characterized in any specific way. I mean, Robert Downey's performance kind of characterized what, how Iron Man was written going forward, as it was with a couple of MCU characters. But this was the first MCU movie that was was impossible. That was my one of my favorites, getting the treatment that I had seen Captain America get and Thor get and like, the thoughtfulness of going into these characters and who's going to portray them and how they fit into this world. So that was like, oh, if you do this right, this could be a really cool, you know, science fiction movie. But as we know with all the MCU movies, especially at that stage, they were very much, at least on the tin, like, well, the director of this movie is doing it. So it's going to be this kind of movie or this genre of movie, this one being like the heist, their heist caper Um and yeah, I thought it was really—I was very excited about all the parts going into it. But again, that that healthy fear of like, well, it's one of my favorites, and if they do it wrong, I don't want the—I don't want the character that I like to have the bad MCU movie, right? You don't, you don't want everyone to be like, I like Ant-Man. It's like, well, this movie suck, and so do you. So get out of here. Like, <laughs> we don't want that. Um, uh, and of course, with all the behind the scenes ska and like all the production stuff, when I when the movie finally came out, I was I had that unfair bias of like, hey, it's happening, it's happening, and it's and it's cool. And for the most part, like, uh, I watched it again. I was saying, you guys, before we started, I watched it again a couple of days ago. Uh, I have it on in the background right now just to remind me of things. It's cool, it holds up, I think. It's. I think it holds up, and again, for me, it feels like reading, like a. It feels like reading a relaunch of this character, where they were like, "All right, we're going to pull some aspects of it of this, but we can't have certain other aspects, so we're going to kind of reframe everything in this way." It felt like that. It felt like, oh, there was a run at you know Marvel Comics on the publishing side, where they were like, "Hey, let's make It Man more of like you know a thief. Let's have that kind of." energy of again like the heist caper of this kind of like you know espionage kind of fun thing but then also having this really fun character behind it yeah it it turned out better than i think anyone could have expected considering all this all the tumultuous stuff with the production
0: Well, let me Um, talk about that really quickly, just for anybody who's listening who isn't entirely Mm -hmm. familiar slash hasn't just read the wiki entry or something like that. But if I remember correctly, (laughs) it was Edgar Wright who directed Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and a bunch of other things had been working Mm -hmm. on Ant-Man since I believe like 2006, basically pre-Iron Man. Worked on it for not a full decade, but kept putting out information, is clearly a huge Ant-Man fan, kept putting up stuff on... I remember this very clearly, like every time we would post something on social media, people were like, oh, it's happening, it's happening, we're getting a great Ant-Man movie that's very exciting. But they've never... I don't think they've ever specifically gone on the record about exactly what happened, but it seems like, from reading between the lines, something happened where, as the MCU codified post-Iron Man, Mm -hmm. it didn't quite gel with the Edgar Wright vision. Like, what Edgar Wright was trying to do was make an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie, Mm -hmm. almost—and I don't say this derisively in the same way that, like, Egg Lee made a Hulk movie that was like, yeah, that's an Egg Lee movie, the way they make Hulk— And the feeling was that just didn't fit with what they were doing at the MCU. So Mm -hmm. one specific thing that I think is a really good example of this, there's the whole fight scene in Avengers Compound with Falcon and Ant-Man. That's something that apparently did not exist at all in Edgar Wright's Mm -hmm. version of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes sense that he left. It seemed very amicable relatively speaking where he was like, nope, this is, I don't want somebody else writing my script. I don't want injecting all of these other elements. And Kevin Feige was like, I respect that. And they left and it doesn't seem like there's Mm -hmm. any animosity behind the scenes very briefly, I think it was like a day or a week or something, Adam McKay was going to come in, and I do remember Mm. being online when this happened, and people were like, how dare you? How dare you, Adam McKay? And the day later, he's like, just kidding, not doing it. So Pete Reed, who kind of had been in director jail since Bring It On, ended up stepping in and doing the movie, which is great, because he's a great director. There's no reason he should have been in director jail. Mm -hmm. And I do think, I was struck again watching this. This is to get Back into the rewatch part of things, I always enjoy this movie, but you can see a little bit of a push and pull between like the shrinking sequences are very clearly things that they had set or mostly set under Edgar Wright, and they're phenomenal they look amazing. the way that they 're blocked out and shot is fantastic, mm-hmm. and then the other stuff feels like a Peyton Reed movie, and that's fine the Two elements of my mind don't quite gel necessarily. Mm. They don't really come into focus and work properly as one smooth movie until the sequel, which we'll talk about in a later podcast. Um, but you kind of have those two things going behind the scenes. So mm. that's something that certainly created a hiccup before they got into the movie. But I think generally speaking, people liked it and that's good. Uh, the other one thing that I'll throw out to you guys that really struck me on this rewatch this time now that we are full fledged into the Disney plus era to the point you were making Langston about this feels like an impossible movie to make watching it now. I, my main reaction was, Oh, this 100% would have been a Disney plus series. If they decided mm-hmm. to make Ant-Man now, it wouldn't have been a movie. I think we're better for it that it is a series of movies, but it's wild that as we're taping this, we're about to get a trilogy of Ant-Man movies when, like you said, that seems like it would have been an impossibility. Uh, Pete, what was your take on it watching it through this time?
2: Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, um, uh, yeah, I. It's when you rewatch it now, I get excited about all my favorite parts. I mean, uh, Louise is. His recaps have become legendary meme, you know, TikToks. Like, so it's blown up in a way that, like, seeing, going back and rewatching it, I'm like, oh my God, this movie was ripe. Uh, for comedy, there were so many like crazy. I've forgotten that Thomas the, the train got, got you know, trashed a mm-hmm. cop car. I was like, this is a crazy movie, man. Uh, it, it's, it is all over the place, but in a fun way. And I think at the center of it is Paul Rudd. And mm-hmm. I think that was a really smart choice to have this guy who is like part, parkour core like, you know, heist master Mm -hmm. and then part goofy comedian. So uh, I think he pulls it off really well. There's kind of like this balance of MacGruber kind of happening uh, all the time where it's like really impressive and also then really ridiculous and hilarious. I mean, the part where he like gets kicked out of his daughter's birthday Mm -hmm. party and then it's like a sad moment, but because he's in this amazing van, the horn makes her smile. It's such a... Uh, undercut fun moment um, with, with great casting and fun choices that really, I don't know whose hands were where, but uh, I think overall this is just a, a great movie that also just keeps getting better and then uh, gets me very excited for the fact that there's a third one coming out. Um, yeah, I remember uh, sitting at the bar with Langston talking about this movie when it first came out. Like, uh, uh, how do you feel? Oh my gosh. Uh, like, can you believe all this stuff was are you available to tape a
0: podcast in like a decade or so? Something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, in 10 years, we're going to really need you. So really remember this feeling, you know, crystallize <laughs> it.
1: <laughs>
0: how do you feel uh, Langston about Paul Rudd as Scott Lang in particular?
1: Yeah. So I was going to, I was going to say, Oh, sorry. Now my, it's the audience going into this. There we go. That was strange. <laughs> dual audio sorry uh so the thing i so there's been a lot of discussion right about um like uh m c u actors in the m c u are they movie stars or not and there's such thing as a movie star anymore because the internet exists like back when you didn't see an actor until they made a movie, that was a movie star, you know what I mean, but this I think this movie is a great case for it really is. Like the actor does make this. Like, you don't get Paul Rudd that has that level of connectability with so many different people. You believe him, you care about him. And there was that almost colloquial thing of, like, oh, this person's going to be in an MCU. Like, Paul Rudd's going to be in an MCU. What? That's cool. Right? Right? And again, that gets kind of gets you in the door because if you like Paul Rudd, there's like, there's no reason to dislike. It's like, I want to see this actor do that. That act, he made me want. I mean, if you cast the other person, I'm like, oh God, who you get to be. But like, I can't think of anyone else but Paul Rudd to play that, the Scotling they wanted to portray. So I feel like he, he elevates everyone else and everyone else elevates him because he's, you know, as a comedic, you know, performer, he knows that it's a, it's a collaborative effort. He knows that he's not the only person in the scene that never had, he it always feels like he is a character reacting to and being affected by everything that's happening around. We talked about that, that birthday scene, that birthday party gets over so much about his character. He cares about his, he cares about his daughter, but he also cares enough to not make a scene. He's not, you know, he's cares enough to like go outside. He's like, he never wants her to have a bad time. He only wants to be a positive in her life. Which again, that can be a tried But It's like, Oh, you know, single up, divorced dad kind of already gives you the thing of like, oh, well, he wasn't a good dude in the past. It wasn't that he wasn't a good dude. He made a lot of bad choices like anyone can. But he, Paul Rudd, is such a fantastic performer that you do root for this person, not just the character of Scott Lang. You're rooting for Paul Rudd. So if you really don't cast Paul Rudd in that movie, you, I don't think you get the goodwill that you get with all the tumultuous stuff that happens you don't get like the amount of goodwill that everyone had going into it. I mean, they were still willing to give it a chance. Like if Paul Rudd dropped out, then you're like, well, bump that. If Paul Rudd dropped out, I don't want to go see it. Cause that means it was too good for the purest man on the planet. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> but the fact that he stayed with it and believed in it and worked hard, like didn't phone it in, like did all this, st- like did it, did it, like became a superhero, but still maintained that affable, Approachable quality that he had in every other movie. It's awesome. And like, again, it's impossible to believe. Like, it doesn't make sense still when I say, oh, they cast Paul Red as Ant-Man. It's like old fan casting from like a wizard comic back in like the 90s or something like that. It,
0: It really is. And that's something, just to answer, I think Pete asked this earlier: that was Edgar Wright cast. Paul Rudd as mm-hmm. Scott Lang, so tribute all credit to him, but also like mm-hmm. you're talking about here, Langston, he did come in, and we noticed this, noted this at the beginning, but he came in and I believe like holed up in a hotel room with Adam McKay for a couple of days and just worked mm. on some of the dialogue. Peyton Reed seems like a very collaborative director like all of the best Marvel directors do, so clearly he was involved in that. I will take a little bit of a minority opinion here and say that occasionally in this first one, I feel a little bit of a push and pull between mm-hmm. Mm. moments that are like very clearly Marvel superhero stuff. Like you get the shirtless Mm -hmm. scene, you get things where he's like, I'm going to step up and be a hero. And of course you Mm got to do that. And then you have things that are very Paul Ruddy where he's doing it aside and sort of like giving finger guns and sliding out of a room or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I do think again, not to keep plus it up at man and the Wasp, but once you get to that movie or even civil war, they really smooth over and figure out how to get all of those elements Mm -hmm. gelling.
2: Well, this, yeah, that's, teaser we get for Civil War at the end of this movie is amazing. And then – really, I can't wait to see it. This I'm really, very excited to check it out. Yeah, I can't wait either. Mm-hmm. But just like the fact that this was really cool buildup for mm-hmm. what we got in Civil War and a, a fantastic Ant-Man re- entrance in yeah. Civil War.
0: Yes, exactly. And I, I'm just saying that I think like be, my suspicion is because there was so much behind the scenes and by the time mm-hmm. – Edgar Wright ra- left, Peyton Reed came on, they had like a matter of months to turn it around and start doing the movie. they had already done tons of pre-production for it. The movie kind mm-hmm. of is what it is, and luckily what it is is a very fun movie, but there were probably elements that they still needed to figure out, and I do think they figured them out eventually, like they do with a lot of these MCU series. You know, I think they did the mm-hmm. same thing. Doctor Strange is a similar way, where Benedict Cumberbatch is like, sort of, you You can feel him sometimes Wrapping his head around what he is doing in the Mm -hmm. first Doctor Strange movie, (laughs) unlike Robert Downey Jr., who comes out of the first frame is like, "Yep, I'm Tony Stark, I'm Iron Man, let's go." Mm -hmm. And that's okay, you know, it's all right to do that with this sort of franchise. I think it works. Um, What about the other actors? Like you were talking about, this has a great supporting cast here. You got Bobby Cannavale, you got Judy Greer, you got Michael Pena. We've mentioned, you got uh, Ti Douglas, Corey Stoll, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got I, David I mean, DelMashev. Yeah, great stuff. Um, shout out some of your favorite supporting characters or moments that you like in particular. like well, do you mean, have a fave?
1: Uh I mean Evangeline Lily was like the cool like I thought that was like the coolest choice for the wall. And like that frustration of being like, I'm way more capable than this crumb bum that you have gotten. What are you doing? Like that energy was so cool and so, and I love the Wasp. I love, like, I love that character. I love that evolu- the evolution of that character and how that role has been inherited by so many different uh, people in the Marvel universe. And it's just like that driving energy of like, that was a kind of a thing that like in my head, in back of my head, I go like, oh yeah, that's the rubber band is stretching, stretching slowly that we're gonna do that. This character's story is being told in a way that didn't take away from anything else. It informed, uh, of course, Michael Douglas, Playing uh, Hank Pym again, tough thing to do. To the moment you put Hank Pym in your movie, and anyone Google's Hank Pym, <laughs> it's like it's like okay, this is they, they yeah, we did have this choice. There was a lot of uh, there was a heinous domestic uh, act of violence that we put in the comics. Like I'm sure we're not gonna do, it. and the smart choice to not make Hank Pym Ant Man, to not make right. that character that make that and have that kind of be in the forefront. Because again, it's like. It's a creative. Cho- it was a creative choice to have him, you know, Hank Pym do what he did. Uh, but it was just one of those things. Like, yeah, that would detract from the the movie. But yeah, and then Scott's whole cast, supporting cast, a seeing T.I. in a movie, and you know, anytime you see, anytime for me personally, I see a rapper. Or a black person in a movie, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, what are, you, what are they going to make you do? What are they going to make you do? What are they going to make you do? And he's just so cool and charming, and he reminded me of like one of my buddies from like high school. Like, again, the support system, right? It's positive. There's no like, yeah, they take jabs at each other, but there's something too. And again, from you know, PU, you can test from doing improv. It always helps when everyone's in the same page and everyone's yeah. supportive and it's us against the world. Yeah, we all have our quirks that might bounce off each other. But at the end of the day, we're all in the same room because we like each
2: other. Like Right. And a perfect, you, yeah. <laughs> perfect example of exactly what you're saying is there's that scene where he's seeing the safe for the first time mm-hmm. and makes a Titanic reference. And all the supporting casts all say a line that acknowledges, yes, I've also seen the Titanic. And <laughs> it's a fun kind of like you can tell these people are friendly and then also Mm -hmm. have have history with each other with that, like the way that they go about the scene. And it's a very supportive thing. It's not the usual, like "Eh, you've seen Titanic or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, it wasn't the stupid door joke or like whatever it was, you know, there was all this kind of like supportive acknowledgement of of what happens in Titanic. So it was, uh, well, there's a very, uh, yeah, from an improv perspective, it, it felt very collaborative and very yeah. supportive. Uh, the oh. team around, which was cool, because you when you have this kind of cast, you're kind of wondering like w- what
0: what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add on to what you guys are saying that there's a really charming earnestness to this series as a whole, and it gets yeah. to. I've watched all these movies with my kids, just to mention right now as we're taping, they're 8 and 12, but I've watched them when my son was younger, when he was starting to get very interested in the movies and his friends were talking about them, and I had a certain hesitance because occasionally, you know, there's some pilots and there's cursing and things like that, Mm -hmm. but – The Ant-Man movies, hands down, are the most family-friendly series out of the bunch. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can undervalue that when you're talking about superhero movies, because kids do want to see Mm -hmm. these movies, and then they'll go into a Captain America movie, and they're doing like... Should I kill these people?
1: Should I shoot them with guns? Internet, and, international law, exactly. international they, law, you know, yeah, yeah, very yeah. complicated things.
2: Versus this <laughs> is like courts and there's paperwork. There's a lot even, of you know.
0: yeah. Well, even in this, there's like there's a strip club scene, but like it's not a strip club
1: scene. It's just like we're having a nice mm-hmm. time
0: here in this strip club. Yay! And that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Adults you, have,
1: adults, you know where they are, and kids, look at this really fun night. Look at this fun discovery zone. Yeah, yay, in this, in this look cool. what are those metal poles? They're
0: nice. Um, uh, oh, don't is that don't a playground? Uh, <laughs> no, not yeah, for you. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's fun for kids as well. And I, I, again, I don't think that could necessarily be undervalued. One quick thing that I wanted mm-hmm. to mention, which isn't exactly on this movie, but the Michael Pena recaps reminded me. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing you got to search out online. It usually gets deleted. Every once in a while it pops up. But I was at San Diego Comic-Con for the marvel panel the year that like they showed off the infinity war trailer and they brought out the black panther cast and everything but one of the other things they showed off only in the room was this like four minute reel of michael Peña and paul rudd recapping the entire mcu Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the panel it's the funniest thing and the point of it was like they're recapping the whole mcu and at the end my paul rudd is like so what do you think and then the camera turns around it's michelle pfeiffer there and she's like I don't know. This seems pretty weird to me, and that's how they revealed <laughs> that to be an Ant-Man of the Wasp. It's great. Like it's like a bonus reel it. that they've never put online. I don't know why, but definitely, uh, definitely try to search it down because it's it's fantastic.
2: Sounds uh, like you got to
1: go on the dark web to get it. Don't go on the dark web and look yeah, for yeah. it. You got to sell get, no, like a couple that.
0: of children, and then in exchange Ooh. you get this recap <laughs> reel. It's nice.
2: Oh no. But, it, but Alex, I, to kind of counterpoint a little bit of what you said mm-hmm. a little bit ago that I've been thinking about is I think they did a good job of owning the fact that like we, we had two different creators mm-hmm. were kind of coming in a little bit with two ideas at once because it starts kind of abruptly with the 1989 and like, mm-hmm. you know, different kind of music. You know, we get this kind of like old school you know, secret room meeting, mm-hmm. kind of corporate, stodgy looking thing. And then you get like some bachata music, you get mm-hmm. an amazing Marvel flip. And then Paul Rudd gets punched in the face. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like we have these two different tones fighting each other. And I think it's, you know, also a lot of what Ant Man's going through of like I'm very talented thief, but I also am a new father and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to do what's right. So like, I think they kind of leaned into the chaos in an interesting way that gave us something that maybe does, uh, uh, feel a little bit, but also kind of, uh, comments on the reality of it also i don't know i just feel like rewatching it now like the maybe the first time i saw it it felt a little bit more abrupt but now it just seems a lot smoother because i know the other ones Mm -hmm. and and the other kind of movies and the fact that it it kind of made a choice in this and then kind of kept that same choice Mm -hmm. going throughout the other ones uh one thing i will uh
1: uh I was thinking you like talking about like the push and you talked about you were talking about the push and pull and all that stuff, and, like all the things they leaned into. Like I feel like they also were like, well, if we don't have all the pieces of this movie, we can use this movie to kind of put some pieces in place and kind of some things mm-hmm. like I as far as I remember, this was the beginning of the de-aging of people to make them yeah like younger. Like oh, more wait, de- It definitely things. is.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the like, very this is, beginning. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i know and it's one of those things that i remember the opening scene and being like uh that's alarming but and again <laughs> it was cool it was it was but again it was one of those things that you didn't even think about and again like you talk about that open like the opening that like the idea that it opens with 1980 like 1989 it's like hmm okay sure and then you get like that image of like you know the striskelion being built and like so it was like and i love all types of prequel world building where this kind of not all types. That's that's a wrong statement to say. Not all types. When it's done well. When it's done well. And this is one of my favorite again, upon rewatch, one of my favorite little bits of things that they started to do of like, this has been this whole superhero thing didn't start with Iron Man. Like, you know, they Mm -hmm. were heroes back during like, you know, the Cold War. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. Like when there would be that like if Captain America existed, what are you what are the odds they stopped until Iron Man shows Mm -hmm. up. So I love that bit of like, and again, showing the can get, again, it gets over every character. And I feel like in this movie, a lot of the scenes get over a lot of character motivations and dynamics and like world states. Like you get the idea that S.H.I.E.L.D. is not going to, is not going to play ball, right? You get this idea of who Hank was and what his characterization is. You get, you know, a little bit of, howard stark and he's oh here's the role that everyone played it's this moment that and again once you see tom slatter like it connects this to everything in a Mm -hmm. wild way when you see like just that one scene of like oh ant-man is not ant-man is almost like in the comics like when people forget that like you know ant-man is one of the founding avengers it's like oh no this character actually has roots going way back into the mcu more than Iron Man more than these other, some of these other characters, Ant-Man is like an important point of history. It's like Ant-Man's on the list of like heroes, like that the government used to carry out like covert missions, like Captain America, Bucky and Ant-Man are like, all on the same list of like, like that video of like that, uh, uh, Corey Stoll shows of like them, like the Hydra, like the Hydra base being attacked and all these guys are getting mm-hmm. attacked by nothing. And then it zooms in. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Every other hero, B minus. <laughs> and for me I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Ant-Man's actually incredibly important to this universe, which is great. I love that. I mean, so yeah, just this- just to throw a couple of th- quick things on
0: that. Mm. So the apparently that scene that Corey Stoll shows off, they actually shot that scene And that was supposed to be the opening of the movie, uh, sort of Mm. like as a James Bond spy cold open type thing. But then they Mm. felt like totally it was too apart. Mm. It was too different. It felt like the Edgar Wright version, which would have been kind of its own thing. So instead, they started with 1989. Um, I will say just on the de-aging whole front, yeah, it's very alarming even now when you see Mm -hmm. it. I wish they would go back and like update that because they've gotten much better at those effects. Mm -hmm. well, particularly I've, the last thing that I was going to – the other thing that I was going to say about that, particularly in that scene that you have Michael Douglas with the digital de-aging, Haley Atwell with old age makeup, and then the John Slattery yes. version of Howard Stark, plus a fourth guy that you've never Don't seen say, before.
1: John Slattery, yes. It's a lot, mm-hmm. There's a lot yep. going on.
0: There's a lot going on in
2: that scene. That's all. What were you going to say, Pete? Well, I, I, yeah, I just uh, – the, the Peggy, I was like, oh, Peggy Carter. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, no, but, it's nice to see her. Uh, it was. It's always great to see her. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that maybe they did, because I remember seeing it on the big screen and thinking it didn't look great. But when I was watching it on my computer, I was like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. And I was like, maybe it's just the smaller screen of it. But uh, You, <laughs> you know. were
0: watching it uh, in the smallest window possible, right? Like post the same size. Yeah, yeah, like yeah I, I like used like to watch the Phantom my Menace trailer online. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, ooh, I can almost see Jar Jar in this the oh, stop no. can get a glimpse one other thing i want to mention this isn't in that origin scene but i was struck through this rewatch and maybe i thought about it when i saw the movie before but i really do not remember is having the whole origin of hank and janet being on that rocket and janet mm-hmm. dying quote unquote to stop that rocket it it struck me that's Captain America's and Bucky's origin from the comics mm-hmm. that they didn't mm-hmm. use in the Captain America movie. So they were able to like pick and choose that and put that into the Ant-Man movie, which I think is a fun thing. And it points to something we talk about a lot, that the Marvel crew does a really good job of figuring out how to adapt things for movies in a way that they make sense for movies. So having this piece available that had been used in Captain America, it's nice to see mm-hmm. it pop up here. Uh, another big element that I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet that I want to throw out there is Baskin Robbins. This is a huge yes. of, of the series. Yeah, I
2: wanted to talk about
0: that. Pete, take it away.
2: Well, I just think that it's, you know, it's an interesting idea that I'm surprised that they brought out there. Baskin Robbins is this all-knowing, all-seeing thing, and and ant-man's talking about it okay <laughs> everybody else is scared but i think they're onto something and people need to be uh you know aware because if you count all the flavors man i don't know you know what i mean uh, you mean all 31? There, there's 31 there's
0: 31 what are you talking
2: about everybody knows that yes. <laughs> yeah i just uh, think it's it was just a funny through line that they were just like yeah, Baskin Robbins knows it it's, all, man. You can't get past Baskin Robbins. It's amazing to me that they
0: got Baskin Robbins in on the joke of this. Not I, I, particularly for the first movie, like it's amazing that it's been a thread through three movies at this point with Baskin Robbins. But because the joke is like he can't get any other jobs. This is the mm-hmm. lowest, worst job he possibly could get is working at a Baskin Robbins. They're like, cool, put our logo on that. Let's go. But it works. It's very funny, and I'm glad they were in on the Mm. joke because it's funny in the second movie based on the trailer. It looks like it's funny in the third movie, so very, very fun. A couple of other quick things. I didn't write down all of the Easter eggs, but they Mm. are living in and, I believe, working out of the Milgram Hotel, which is a reference to Al Milgram, who's an important Ant-Man creator. Also... Corey stole at one point was like, oh, these are some sort of Tales to Astonish. To Astonish.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. in joke Crowbar. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: And Michael Payne. It's almost, <laughs> that, that one was, yeah. was it it's almost seemed like someone entered the room and it's like, hey, did you put Tales to Astonish in the script? No. Oh, what are we doing? <laughs> 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 where, where do you want it? I don't care where it is. <laughs> what are we filming today? What are we Somebody filming today? Just happen to mention an, it. Yeah. I got yeah. an email that asked me, could you please put the words tales to astonish in the movie? <laughs> it was from Marvel. Don't know who from. Don't know from whom, but I think we gotta put it in there. Yeah. When he said that line, I remember even in the theater, me and my friends kind of just went like we didn't groan. We were like, All right, sure. Yes. Yeah, I recognize that. Understood. Thank you. Yes. I acknowledge that as an Easter egg, and I will <laughs> accept it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. That is yeah. uh, one of the original books that I made was If you don't know anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: and this isn't an Easter egg, but it just occurred to me uh, because there's this scene of Michael Padia when he's pretending to be a security guard towards the end of the movie. He's whistling, it's a small world, another cute little reference, the whole mm-hmm. shrinking thing. But one thing that I, I had completely forgotten about uh, until this rewatch is at the end thing with they're all trying to get out of PIM technologies. Michael Pena's character remembers that there's a guy he has tied up and he's like, Oh no, we got to get this guy out here because mm. the building's been about to implode. And, to me, that really points to the kindness of the movie. Like most other superhero movies, they wreck these buildings that and guy's until gone. it becomes oh, a plot yeah. point, <laughs> guy- like in Civil War, it just doesn't matter. Like everybody dies and they're like, Well, we did it, we were heroes. And meanwhile on the side there's a mother and kids and they're crying because the dad died of the building or whatever. But here they they actually save people, like they get them out of the way and they try to do the best job they possibly can. Which gets to the central conflict of Yellow Jacket versus Ant Man, where Yellow Jacket's mm. whole thing is like, money at any cost. Let's do it by killing people. Let's go. Uh, here, here we go. Yeah. And Hank Pym's like, no, we're absolutely not doing that. What were you going to say, mm-hmm. Pete?
2: Uh, yeah. The fact that like that whole goat scene is just such a, you know, I am evil corporate man and I mm. do not care. Yeah. Bring in the most adorable, you know, goat you have. I'll sit here all day killing those things. You know, it was just like uh, absolutely again, exactly awful. Family friendly. A kid will get
1: the very simple thing of, hey, why is that man doing that to the goat? Because he's bad. He's a bad guy. That's the bad guy. And he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to keep doing it. And he has been doing but, it, kid.
2: Yeah. Also, I want to just talk about the creativity of, like, having the climactic fight scene be this insane train scene that is also, when you just pull out a little bit, ridiculously hilarious. You know, when they kept showing the kids' point of view of, like, little trains and lasers mm-hmm. shooting, just hysterical. But then when you zoom in, it's, you know, just as intense as any action sequence on a train. Uh Just uh, such a funny... A bit that they mm-hmm. hit and I think in just the perfect amount of times of like you know uh you know throwing a train car and then just cutting to the toy sitting on yeah. the sh- you know just like oh my god uh, uh, yeah. I did not get tired of that and uh I thought they they did that uh really well and it was such a fun kind of making fun of itself making fun of you know what's happening in in such a Paul Rudd kind of way I thought
1: uh, I was gonna say you mentioned Yellow Jacket. Another thing that started in this, uh, like the evil doppelganger. Like mm-hmm. here's the evil version of the character. It's like it's 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 e- it's easy to do. It's like what if the hero the hero was the opposite of that hero? Yeah, yeah, okay. I really <laughs> wish this is all, but I really wish they would not again. Everyone says because you can't have these people keep coming back. Like in comic books, like they kill Yellow Jacket, and I was like, this would have been a cool character that if he escaped. You know what mm-hmm. i mean gets away you don't see him again like that's a great thing to have like out in the world like know that yellow jacket's out there and he would and like there's no reason why he would not join you know any evil organization or become like you know an evil so like i could see him like being on the same way like crossbones was or you know like a justin hammer like there's no reason why that character couldn't come back as he had such a good he like said even though he was bad he had a great motivation money at all costs it's like okay yeah that's a simple motivation we understand that motivation and that was one of those this is also again for me the beginning of that moment of like so you don't have to yes this person has to pay they have to have their comeuppance but you don't have to lose them you know what i mean because if you're going to have this universe this this universe where anyone can be anywhere it would be great to see yellow jacket be the first act problem of some other superhero like mm-hmm. some of the superhero yeah. was like who are you dealing with You yellow jacket like like Ant-Man no like the opposite of well, he's the opposite of Ant-Man he, he, he's like yeah you know. So yeah. No, They both shrink but you know how he shrinks it doesn't, doesn't he doesn't kill yeah, people? He, he shrinks, lasers. Lasers. One shrinks Yeah yeah shrink yeah. you know like a yellow jacket, would you want a yellow jacket in your jacket? Would you want a yellow jacket in your home? No. no. Ants in your home, one ant, one yellow jacket. <laughs> Think about which yeah. one you want in your home. You want an ant in your home? We want yellow, yellow. I
0: totally, yeah. totally agree with you. This, this is also one of my sticking points with the MCU in terms of kidding the villains. And again, not to keep comparing the two movies, but something that the sequel does really right in terms of taking the villain and trying to find sympathy for them and have them going forward. So you have the character available. I will mention this little asterisk here. There is a rumor that Corey Stoll is going to be back in Ant-Man 3. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the way he shrinks, his legs and arms kind of shrink into himself first. Yeah, The idea is that they're going to find him in the Quantum Realm and he's going to be Modok. That essentially you're going to get like tidy arms, tidy legs, Modok, big head. That's what happened to him after he went to the Quantum Realm. We'll see if that ends up being true possible Whoa. i think it would be great if they figure out a way to bring him back that way but it, to your point mind. i think that would be great one thing i wanted to throw out to you guys though which you kind of just got to here lagston are gross right like that's something that's maybe a little bit of a sticking point <laughs> with the movie and even watching this time i'm like that's too many ads i don't know i don't know if i want to see that many ads i'm enjoying this movie
1: it's still a little gross he's okay with when he breaks out of prison and he sees like ants coming up to him and he's like, Oh God. Oh no. It's not the reaction you have. It's not the reaction. You'd be screaming, but ants are horrifying. Yeah. We watch, we, watch, we watch BBC Earth. Ants are horrifying. <laughs> ants, are, <laughs> ants are terrifying. And if it, if one the size of a, 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 a Volkswagen walked up to you, you wouldn't, you might throw up. Like you might throw up out of just sheer, like your brain would not be able to comprehend something that big. And he's like, Oh, just step on the central node and mount the thorax. And he gets on. It would take me and uh, it would take me hours to be OK with getting on the back of an ant. I don't care how much it hasn't eaten me yet. I to get on the. I'm like, I, ah, you got to give me like 20 minutes. This is something I've never seen before. And he's like, oh, because the movie has to happen. He's like, OK, let's get out of here. And I'm like, no, let's not. I'll walk. I'll, I'll, I'll hop on the back of something. No one's going to see me. But my goodness, you're right, Answer are gross and it is a lot of it. one point when he's running with all the ants, like in mm-hmm. the anthill, yeah. no, oh, no, no. Horrible. One of my they're absolute
0: not- favorite jokes of the movie is when he's starting to figure out how to use the mind control on the ants, and they're getting him coffee, and the he's like, yeah, I'll have some sugar, and then two ants start bringing him sugar cubes, and he's like, no, yeah. thank you.
2: <laughs> no, and I'm then they too. slowly turn around, it's and so he's got to go back. So good. Yeah. But
0: on the other hand, for whatever reason, large ant... When it's hanging out, I don't think that's Anthony at the end there. But when they have the large ants, first, they have the ant run out of the house, and somebody has the very funny line of like, oh, "That's a very ugly dog." Very funny line. Uh, but then the ant hanging out under the table and Cassie feeding
2: it—it's
0: it, gross. But the at least it's funny nobody gross? would notice a giant. Yeah. Well, I think that gets to and the it, level of like it's so large and it's probably CGI, but like animatronicy looking that it's fakey enough for me that I'm able to get past it. But there's something about the little ads of the moving so quickly; it's it's too much. Can't deal with it. Yeah, people are it's okay. Weird.
1: No.
0: No. no.
1: no. <laughs> Legs are just like nope. Just hard. hard I can't no think of any. That. I can't think of any insect that if you made like if you made. No, no insect. You made it like as big as a dog. Am I going to go, oh, no, still a monster. It's still a giant yeah. bug monster. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know. the oh, do the do ants like, I mean, I guess because they're being controlled and everyone is like, don't attack us. But like the ant would probably like eat, the, you know, like the ant would probably yeah. need to eat or something like. So what happens one day when you are a new pet ant you come home and it has a cat in its mouth? And it's like, well, I got to eat something. And you're, you gotta, yeah. I can't just eat table scraps. All day I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need either uh, animal or person. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's 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 the problem. Is that does the ant still do ant things? Unless you're you have to constantly watch an ant, otherwise it's gonna walk. Yeah, I mean
0: it's gonna eat your cat.
1: It's gonna alf out
0: over everything. Uh, Before we move (laughs) on to our final section, uh, other um, scenes, other things you want to call out from the movie Pete? Any things in particular you want to call out? Yeah. Want, yeah.
2: First off the, I mean, just the whole thing of like, uh, her first cartwheel it like Paul Rudd did such a good job of like, you know, sometimes you see an actor and you're like, I don't believe they've been a dad for five seconds. <laughs> but like when he was like, Who is that? That's not that's not my daughter, that's a professional athlete. It was such a dad thing to say. It it really was uh it was really uh such a beautiful moment, well captured there. Uh I also think that like one of the funnest like first kisses and starts to a relationship in this, like that whole like Douglas opening up the door and seeing them making out and then Paul Rudd being like oh my god why would you why would you do that yeah you're right I've this over here and he's like you're lying he's like yeah yeah Yeah, (laughs) yeah. it's just such a fun uh, uh, moment and also the start of something that you know the two of them together are great yeah oh yeah you're absolutely right yeah all of his
1: dad stuff all of his dads stuff and all is just he never loses that, right? Like, he never loses. The reason yeah. why he's doing this is all of this is for Cassie. Like, direct, like, and that's something that I love about, like, the character of Scott Lang, especially in the comics, that it's just about trying to be the best dad that he can. He also deal with these outrageous circumstances. And I think that's something that Paul Rudd can do, again, because of his comedic, you know, comedic chops and his comedic acumen. He understands that the most fun thing is being a person in the midst of this ridiculous circumstance. And that's, what's going to keep you believing like, Oh yeah, he shrinks from time to time. Like that whole training sequence could have been dumb and could have been yeah. derisive, mm-hmm. but it is like a thing of like, Oh no, you would actively need to learn how to do this. And it's very funny to watch somebody funny and goofy learn how to do stuff. And he's so wonderful because again, Evangeline Lilly Lily and Michael Douglas play it. So honestly, like this is a serious circumstance. He's like, yeah, sure it is. Uh, but I'm bad at this. He knows how to play. I'm bad at this without being like, Oh boy. Yeah, he, knows exactly. he knows how to fail. Failing is just, you have to just, the the funny is him constantly trying and constantly getting a little bit better, but still being shown that he's not as capable yet. He's still on the journey and Evangeline Lilly showing her level of capability informs that. So all of their scenes together, that and what gets me in the movie theater is him shrinking and running up the gun barrel is like the Mm. cool, one of the coolest shots in the history of the MCU, like getting over, there's something about the body language of the, like the shrinking and then landing on the gun and seeing the actual effort to run. Like when it shrinks now, the gun is like, you know, it's this long in real life, but when you shrink down now, it's a 200 meter sprint to get to the end of that. And I love just the body language of seeing him making the effort to run across this, this thing to get to like, that shot was just one of the, like in the MCU, everyone has like their superhero, that moment, that thing of like, Oh, that is the essentially like the, the gameplay loop that you would want to see the superhero do shrink run on, jump on stuff. Like, of course, like you talk about the sequel uh, with the wasp and all the knives in the kitchen and seeing her navigate this, like having knives thrown at her and like just that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that scene in particular and the, the fight between them at the end with the train. I mean, that whole sequence going from them fighting in like the suitcase, Mm -hmm. then going into is like just the way they showed how dangerous it would be to have a fight in a world where all these small things around us all of a sudden took on way different meaning and different like, like it helped with the blocking of the action scenes to kind of challenge the audience to be like, well, what if a toy train set was the size of an actual train? It would still be a train, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It would still be a train if yeah. if, uh, if a toy train was. The, yeah, it's yeah. All those all that stuff stands out to me.
0: Um, yeah. Why don't we move on to our next section, which is our vision board, where we talk about what's coming up in the MCU. We've touched on it a little bit already, but as we're taping this, Quantumania is coming out in a few months. Woo-hoo. What are you guys looking forward to from that movie based, I guess, on this first Ant-Man, Langston? Let's get to you first. What are you excited about in Quantum Mania?
1: Uh, so I think what you what you talked about in the first Ant-Man where they didn't really know where this character fit, where he was in the kind of mosaic in the grand MCU, the tapestry. I think this is really – what I'm looking forward to is really, again, not just the world building of like the quantum realm and all that stuff, but really solidifying what is the role of the Ant family in the MCU. They are – for all intents and purposes, they're like the science explorers and stuff like that. They're like that super cool science team, and I'm very excited to see that dynamic. And of course, uh, Cassie Lang, like Cassie, like in like in a suit. Like I love that. I love seeing the, the evolution of that. because so I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see freaking Kang. Like I'm. I'm oh know, yeah, dude. I mean, it's 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 an interesting thing they're doing. The opposite of Thanos where they could have had Thanos show up in a bunch of different stuff like Kang. But the nature of Kang is that he could be in a bunch of different places. And I think that's, I'm excited to get that new aspect of Kang as opposed to the one that we saw in uh, in Loki, um, who was this kind of like sympathetic, like kind of like you kind of felt bad for this person who lost their mind at the end of the universe. But now seeing the opposite of that, getting the mm-hmm. to see like, oh, here is what he was warning you about. That I mean, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. And the idea that they're just—I mean—they're really challenging us with these titles. Be like, what won't they go see? Quantum, quantum, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. That's ridiculous. It's not. It, what does that even mean? Who knows? We Who got cares? them to go see. We got them to go see a movie called Doctor Strange in the. I'm sorry. Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I loved saying. I, no, I asked for it. the whole thing when great. I bought the tickets. Two tickets for Marvel <laughs> <It's> Studios, Doctor <laughs> Strange in the Multiverse <laughs> of Madness, IMAX 3D, please. I'm going like, no, have person to say all that.
0: It's literally the only thing we're showing. It's on every screen. By
1: the top- by the no, time you good. got to Strange, you know what movie it is. <laughs> 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 I, I will say, Marvel, and then to turn okay. it
0: over to yeah. Pete for his vision board yeah, stuff, yeah. the two things um, I kind of do slash I do slash don't want to see in the movie, Quantumania kind of gets to it where I felt like multiverse of madness wasn't quite mad enough for me. I think Mm Ant-Man has the possibility of actually doing quantum mania, like whatever that means. I want to see it go wildly over the top just in terms of the visuals and everything they push because they've been teasing the quantum realm since this first Ant-Man movie. Mm -hmm. So going into it full fledged, what's going to happen? The other thing I really don't want to lose, and I know they have to do this in trailers, but the first 30 seconds to 45 seconds of that trailer is so funny and so much fun. And then it gets into this very serious, Kang is the big baddie and we're going to weird places and look how beautiful and strange everything looks. I don't want to lose the sense of fun of Luis doing Mm. a ridiculous recap of something that we get in the first movie and then is extended in the second movie. I don't need Ant-Man Endgame. I want to see another Mm. Ant-Man adventure. So I'm really fingers crossed. I think we're going to get it because it's the same team on it. So that's what I'm most excited to see, particularly after this rewatch. I want to see that extended. Pete, what about you? What are you excited about in the future of the Ant-Man side of the universe?
2: Well, I mean, in this one, we got Luis doing two recaps, you know, and before we got a couple, I I want like at least uh, eight recaps of just (laughs) monologues of Luis just recapping, you know, just different moments in his life or anything he wants to, Mm -hmm. Uh, just so much fun. Uh, I will never get sick and tired of that um, ever. Uh, But I'm also excited about moving their relationship forward, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, uh, his daughter and that whole thing. So, um, I'm sure he's going to get lost in the quantum realm for a while, but, you know, I, I do need him back on earth. He's got responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh yeah, I mean, I am really looking forward to what they're going to do. I mean, they've got an amazing actor in this role of this villain, and we only got like a teasing of him yet. So I'm excited for more for sure, uh, Kang as such. Uh And it, it's interesting because there's been different versions of Kang. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this. Um and uh, kind of a, a little bit more of his story for sure. So, yeah, it's going to it's it's going to be fun. And I think well heightened since this isn't the third one. So it's a well oiled machine. They know what so, bits okay. to hit. They know what people are there for. And, uh, you know, Baskin Robbins is our overlord, whether or not we want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah, if only we knew how many flavors they had. I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I Langston. Mean, if you count them, I don't think it all adds up, bro. As many flavors <laughs> as there are ants, man. As many
1: flavors as there are ants in the world.
0: Yeah, have you tried their ant <laughs> flavor?
1: Not good. No
0: good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Langston, good. before we let you go, where should people check you out? What should they uh, be checking out from you?
1: Yes, uh, I am at Belton on Instagram. Uh, go to LangstonBilton.com my website that's in the works right now. And that has information about shows that I'm doing in the city in New York, uh, where I'm located. Uh, Yeah. At Langston Belton on, uh, on Instagram because Twitter is who who, no one needs to enter that realm at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. Uh, No one. Uh, So uh, yeah, out there and uh, I'm also performing uh, regularly at the, uh, the people's improv theater in New York city. Uh, where I know the wonderful Pe page from. And uh, yeah, uh, at uh, Mar on a Marvel's uh, YouTube channel and uh, Marvel.com, I'm doing videos and explainer videos and some voiceovers for some of the characters you may or may not know. So yeah, Marvel.com and uh, Marvel's YouTube channel. Awesome. Right. Langston,
0: thank you so much for coming on. Such a pleasure to see you again. And for all of you out there, if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7pm to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about the MCU, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay Marvelous.